cicadas, helicopters, and Barbara? Oh my. Plus listener theories by the Army Truckload. It's episode 19 of Resurrection Revealed. Thanks for joining us for another episode of your Resurrection Revealed podcast for our full discussion and feedback frenzy of crazy theories for the season finale torn apart. This is an unofficial podcast and blog by fans and for fans all about ABC TV's Resurrection, Got Theories and more recorded May 8th, 2014. Me, I'm Wayne Henderson, and I am so grateful to have been podcasting since August 2005. You know, that's almost nine years, and I guess that means I uh, like to talk. And I'm Troy Heinrichs, been listening to Wayne since 2005, and it's about time I could finally get a word in. Great to be with you for this in-depth season one finale discussion, which we'll have show notes for you over at resurrectionrevealed.com slash 19. Just a quick interruption to this episode of Resurrection Revealed, Wayne here. We just found out near the end of recording this episode, news started flooding in from Omar Epps that Resurrection has, in fact, been renewed for a season two. So this is fantastic news. Glad to see Omar Epps tweeting it out on Twitter. Where else is he going to tweet it out but on Twitter? And the news is out there. It is official. Season two of Resurrection will be coming. We don't know when. We may find that out on the 13th. And, of course, we'll have season two of Resurrection revealed. So, obviously, throughout most of the rest of this episode, which we had already recorded... We make reference to the fact that we're hoping for a season two. There's bound to be a season two. Uh, Please forgive that part. It's already recorded. It's in the can. And then later we find out the good news. So we're going to continue on with Resurrection. Thanks again for tuning in. And uh, please make a point to join us for season two of Resurrection Revealed. Still reeling from the season finale, right, Troy? Oh, it just been swimming all week long with different thoughts, different theories, Where is this going to go next? I mean, it's just been an absolute thrill ride. I think ever since episode five, you know, we got a real great introduction in episode one, and then we had a nice cliffhanger in episode two, Mm -hmm. three and four. It was kind of like, eh, where's this going? And then five was like, whoa, what just happened? And I think after that, I think we started to move down the path of where this show is really going to go and take off. And I hope that it's going to be more along the lines of a focused in Arcadia still, even though we've now expanded the world pretty rapidly in this last episode. Oh, yeah. People are coming left and right. Um, Not only the returned, but the government and everybody else. Are there any wild theories, like your own personal theories? Have you changed your mind on any? Nothing that's really drastic. At this point, I'm still trying to figure out the army. Is it federal level or is it state level? That's the part that still kind of scratches in my head a little bit because the, of course, trucks and the helicopter at the end of the episode, I think those trucks and helicopters have a different flavor to them, if you will. And because of that, I know we have some listeners that really have some thoughts on this, so I I might want to hold this till later. But I think that the trucks and the helicopters are not the same group of people that, of course, came with the military themselves. Interesting. And speaking of flavors, have I mentioned that I like chocolate? Chocolate is a good thing. Chocolate squares. I like mint chips specifically. Oh, oh, that's good too. That's good too. But uh, we'll put that aside for now. Let's talk about the the government. You know, they're trying to quote unquote contain Arcadia. 
not only do I wonder if that's even possible, but what are the implications of trying to contain a whole city like Arcadia? Well, that's the really big question, because if you remember, like Caleb, he came back in Portland and Jacob came back in China. So we have this issue of if people are coming back outside of Arcadia, what difference does it make if I contain the people in Arcadia because there's still people coming back if we're assuming that Arcadia is the only place people will come back to? That's really the big question is, are there other places like Arcadia that are collecting returned? Right. And if you contain Arcadia and more people are returning from around the globe, all you're going to do is keep them out. They're not going to be able to get in. Might as, true. might as well be a dome around the whole city. Sounds vaguely familiar. <laughs> well, and are they going to line up people at the border? I mean, I guess that's really the big question. Is it going to be a, you know, checkpoints and roads in and out of town are going to be blocked and that kind of thing? Or are they going to allow people into town? But once you're in town, then you can't leave. Hmm, I'm betting on you're not going to get in or out. Well, then we talked about NIH, right? This is a non-government institution. This is a like a private hospital kind of private funding situation. So what did they have with Eric Ward being in town? It, or my thought initially was that maybe the black trucks and the helicopter were NIH, not feds or not military. Hmm, I like that. I could see that. What about you? How do you feel about the government involvement? It's been so sudden that I don't really have much thought on it other than, you know, they first show up at least claiming to be helping with the relief efforts. Then all of a sudden the guns come out and then all of a sudden we've got the black helicopters, which may or may not be related, like you said. So I'm not sure. Colonel uh, Stone or whatever his name was, he sure got uh, very involved as soon as he saw the dead body in the morgue on the slab of uh, Rachel there. Well, here's one thing I was scratching my head with, and I haven't seen anybody mention this, at least in the spheres that we all kind of hang out with, with the resurrection fans. We're calling them resheads on Twitter. Hashtag resheads, R-E-S-H-E-A-D-S, which you can keep using, of course, after the show. Of course. But the big thing that I keep scratching my head on is that, you know, Maggie was talking about how there was this flood in the region. And then, of course, we have the Thompsons talking about the water coming up at the sawmill which caused their babies to get swept away and, of course, one go completely missing. When the general shows up, he says, I heard that there was some flood and that the people here needed food. So who told the general about the flood? Because there was never a conversation that we saw as the viewers anyway between Bellamy and his boss to come up with this elaborate scheme. And Bellamy actually kind of looked a little taken back by it as well. So if that's the case, then... The boss lady actually knows something about Arcadia and its history, would be my thinking. That really blows my mind, because unless there was something that both of us missed, I don't recall any prior conversations about the flood, except for what happened like decades ago, possibly. And now, maybe the government moves slowly in, in that city, in that state, and they've just now arrived after the big flood way back in the day. That is a good point. I, I wonder if we could just chalk that up to a possible continuity error or something more uh, sinister. Well, I guess that's how we know the red is involved then because it's all government red tape. Ah, 
That's your one and only joke for the evening. Oh, good. Let's move on from that. So we've, of course, talked about cicadas. There's been rumors in past episodes about aliens. What about alien cicadas? That's an interesting thought, too, because those are some really big bug shells. I mean, I've seen some cicadas. Those looked engineered to some extent. So does that mean engineered in some way, shape, or form based on an electromagnetic field that might be near the town or something in the water? You know, there's a gene pool splicing in the water or something. Mm, again with I, the I don't water. know, but they, they looked large. And the fact that they were all mysteriously in that one section of the road at the end there, uh, stopping uh, Jake and Bellamy. I mean, the fact that they were all right there, that just kind of wigged me out. Well, and it's on the road that supposedly nobody knows about. So it's a safe passage out. And here there was this kind of blockage if you will which is where these black vehicles ended up happening to just show up and find them yeah i think there's more than coincidence at stake on this and still no word like we talked about on our initial reactions the upfronts from abc are still a few days away not till the 13th but you know like we've said the ratings are awesome i don't see any reason we're not going to get a season two it's just going to take a while before we actually see it and get the answers yeah, and we're going to need some answers because I think the biggest question that came up, and this was great, I think, in the episode, how they teased this really great story. I, I was trying to figure out why they were all sitting by candlelight in the Langston's house. And I thought maybe it had to do something with a power outage, but then immediately, you know, Bellamy's walking up to the church and there's lights on outside. So either the parking lot's completely run on a generator or they just happen to like to have dinner by candlelight because it's what they used to do back in the early 1900s. But the Thompsons have this great story about living at the sawmill and that they weren't, there was this village that the workers used to live in that the Langston's, uh, in this case, Henry's grandfather. So we're talking two generations back, right? So we're talking at least 40 years, if you think about, you know, working age or maybe even 60 years, right? If you think about working age. So 60 years back, you know, from, you know, 1982 when the factory was still open. And Jacob died. So you're talking, you know, 1920s, 1930s, maybe. That sounds about right. That's where that's what their clothing reminded me of, of would be the 20s and 30s. Yeah, I would think of the Great Depression era, a little after the Great Depression, yeah. so maybe as late as 1940-ish. Maybe. Um, but they basically tell a story about how they were living at the sawmill, not at the community housing. And at the sawmill, the river rose. They are, were all going to drown. And they lost their baby, Robert, which was their son. And of course, he went missing. They weren't able to find him, so that they were. And Lucille's like, "Well, maybe he's back somewhere else." But you know, Robert has this crescent moon birthmark on the back of his neck, which of course we see on Agent Bellamy at the end of the episode. So of course, now the biggest question you have to run through your mind is, "Okay, well, how old is Bellamy?" So Bellamy's thirty-five. Let's call it maybe forty. At the most, at the absolute most. So the biggest question I have, of course, is, okay, she said babies. So maybe he was a baby when he got swept away in the water. This Robert person. Now we know that Bellamy was adopted. So that's why he's J. Martin Bellamy now. He's got a different name. So let's, let's, let's take theory one. Theory one is Bellamy is Robert. And therefore, we have to now figure out how this fits into the puzzle. Because if he was a baby or a child... Because you'd have to be young enough that you didn't know that you were a returned. 
because he clearly doesn't know he's a return. He doesn't know what's going on in town or he's playing it off really, really well. I don't think that he knows. I don't think he knows either. So if he doesn't know, that means he has to be pretty young when he comes back, which means that he doesn't come back until, call it 30, 35 years ago, which is about the time that Jacob died. Right? So Jacob and Barbara die. And is there a replacement kind of theme going on here now where you have one dies, one takes the place. So that's why Bellamy was able to come back. How'd you come up with this? And I, it sounds like it involved mathematics again, but common core, I don't know. But some, how'd you come up with this one? That's a good one, Troy. Well, the only thing I could think of was the fact that he's 30-something now and Jacob died 32 years ago. So the two kind of seem to fit each other, you know, because that's, that's the only explanation. If, if J. Martin Bellamy is Robert because he has the crescent moon on the back of his neck, then he had to have died as a baby to not know he was resurrected. Somebody found him, like we said in the initial reactions, the proverbial Moses. And then because of that, he has now grown up, you know, aging as he would, which brings in the bigger question of resurrected people aging. And why doesn't he have the same symptoms of the being hungry and the tired? We know he had trouble sleeping, but it seemed like he didn't have the same kind of insomnia issues that the rest of the returned have. So that's one explanation for Robert or Bellamy, right? The other explanation is, is that this is some kind of NIH government conspiracy project with the blood. And therefore, it is a clone situation. So maybe Robert came back and Robert's body got cloned and they inserted Martin Bellamy's consciousness or whatever into Robert's clone body like stormtroopers in Star Wars. Whoa, if they go this route, it's 100% science fiction. Correct. So that's where I'm, I'm, I'm kind of torn between the two. It's like, it, on the one side, you have the spiritual conversation of one person dies, one person lives. It's kind of the cycle of life conversation versus the other side of the scientific side of, you know, replacements and clones and DNA matching and things of that nature. And one thing's for sure, we as viewers of Resurrection, those of us that and like you listening to the podcast, you're really into resurrection and really trying to figure stuff out. We all need to really watch the show. I mean, really watch it probably two times per episode at, at the minimum to really try to sort it out because with people coming back and the whole age issue, it's kind of like, but in a different way, like on once upon a time where we've got Emma Swan and her parents, Snow White and Prince Charming, they're all the same age. And then of course there's uh somebody's grandparent and they're pretty much the same age. So all these people are different generations, but on the show, they're all the same age or close to it. So you really have to pay attention to try to get into the groove of who is who. And I can see that in a totally different way coming to resurrection on season two that I'm going to vote that we get. I'm voting up as well. Kind of like Barbara and Maggie being the same age. That was a very interesting dynamic this week, I think. That really was very much like Once Upon a Time in that fashion. It's like, hey, mom, um, we're the same age. This is interesting. <laughs> and you've been watching me even creepier. <laughs> yeah, the, the whole Barbara Langston and Maggie Langston, Fred Langston and Sam, whatever his name is. This is getting, you know. 
like we kind of talked about with uh, Pastor Tom in the past, Pastor Tom needs to be with his wife. They're married. They they need to stick it out together and sort through things. Now, agreed, this is more complicated in the case of Fred Langston and Barbara Langston, not only because of the different uh, age that they have going on, but also that we found out some things that maybe Fred's not the nicest guy in the world, or at least in the past was not the nicest guy in the world. But uh, still, I don't think Barbara should be leaving Fred to go hang out with Sam at least without a divorce. This cohabitation, while she's still technically married to Fred, even if she is a clone or a returned or whatever they are, I still think they need to address it and sort it out. I'm she's gonna... not married to Fred. She died. You know, till death do us part. It's over. Well, <laughs> but uh, there was there was things going on even before she died. But I'm going to quote uh, Troy Heinrichs on this. Details. Details. The- the new, the new Barbara is not obligated to go back to Fred, I don't think. Now, Maggie, on the other hand, there is some obligation there for Barbara and Maggie to maybe have some kind of a relationship, weird as it may be, because it's more like, hey, sisters versus mom and daughter. Right. And it was really great because in this episode, I think Maggie really comes out to be kind of the stronger person in this entire equation because you have... Barbara, who's made bad choices. You have Fred, who is acting on impulse because of these choices. We think, of course, that he puts on the wedding ring on his finger specifically to honor the the death of his Barbara, because this Barbara is not his Barbara, and he's going to make sure everybody knows about that, which is why he tips off the government to, you know, what's going on in town. But you have this whole thing where Maggie's yelling at Barbara, like, you messed up. You need to take care of this. You need to make this right. You know, so Barbara goes and actually does what Maggie asked her to do. And then Fred goes, you know, Fred, Fred's the one that has this relationship with Maggie. And she, he's built up this relationship with Maggie over the years since Barbara's death as she's grown up to be 32, you know, plus maybe a year or so because she was a baby. Troy, and Troy, Troy, you, you should never mention women's ages on a podcast. I'm so, sorry. <laughs> it, it's documented. It's okay. Just, I'll go with that. Okay, continue. Saying Devin, not saying Devin's 32, Maggie's 32, and maybe a year. Um, but so Maggie, being her age, you know, she's sitting there and then had this relationship with Fred growing up and knows Fred differently than the way Barbara knew Fred. But then Fred goes and completely breaks that trust and that relationship with Maggie by telling the military what's going on. And then you see Barbara, as Maggie's walking away in the handcuffs, kind of standing up for her daughter and coming to her rescue. And so it's it's this weird dynamic. It's like they're there, they're not. They're there, they're not. It was almost like Caleb and Elaine in a lot of ways. They were together. They were kind of mad at each other. They were together. And then, of course, then they split again. So I wonder if that dynamic plays into how long Barbara sticks around. We'll find out, but it might be about 10 months from now. I I just want to lay one thing out there. Until we get a definitive answer, hopefully on season two, we still don't know for sure that, for example, the returned Barbara Langston is not the same Barbara Langston. We do not know that this Jacob is not the Jacob, even though the bodies are in the tombs and in the graves. You know, we're saying this might be a different Barbara. It very well could be the same one until we get a definitive answer. This is very true. We have to... Keep it with a grain of salt that these are the people we think they are. They act like they are, but it might be 
little bit different nonetheless. Right. Let's go with that. Now, the cicadas, this is an interesting thing because everybody's been coming back from the dead wearing red. And we did confirm that a lot of the people in the gymnasium either had you know red handkerchiefs or a red flower or a red headband or red pants in the case of one person. And J-Man on Twitter actually found a really interesting article in relation to China, where we found Jacob originally, cicadas, and the color red. And I thought this was just kind of fascinating as I was reading this article. We'll have a link to the article in our show notes at resurrectionrevealed.com slash 19. But this is really interesting about, it's at insects.org and it's about cicada and Chinese folklore, I guess. Wow. Who would have thought? Yeah. And basically it starts out with basically anthropologists and archaeologists have known for years that the ancient Chinese regarded cicadas as symbols of, get this, rebirth or more importantly, immortality. In much the same way as the early Egyptians thought of the scarab. Until the later case, however, a few Western etymologists are aware that the cicada symbolism used by early Chinese, you know, it's basically talking through this article that there's different kinds of cicadas and then the different kinds of cicadas are actually stand for different things. So on the subject of medicine or call it miracle blood, uh, while on the subject of medicine, one of the most interesting and remarkable species of cicada in the Orient specifically is called the chuki, also known as the red medicinal cicada. It has brilliant red and black markings and is the only known cicada used as a blistering agent. So I was like, red, cicadas, rebirth, immortality. There's a lot in here in this article <laughs> that ties right into the show. And I was like, good way to go, J-Man, because I was like, I'm fascinated now. This goes right up with that whole um, it, uh, it and Arcadia Ego uh, concept we were talking about about the latin painting and stuff oh i think this is even beyond that i th- this is fantastic stuff okay so here's what we need to do first we should go back and listen to our interview with resurrection creator aaron zellman which you can find at resurrectionrevealed.com slash two if you haven't heard it we need to re-listen to that and see if he gives any hints about possibly have coming across this article about china and the color red and cicadas or if anybody in the past has ever heard Aaron Zellman mention this article. If so, I think we may have solved the show, unless this is another red herring, to use another variation of the term red, and uh, then they might just be throwing us off. But this this sounds legit to me. It was a very interesting article, and we'll definitely have that up at the show notes at resurrectionrevealed.com slash 19 for this episode. What other thoughts you have before we move into the awesome listener feedback section, Mr. Wayne? Well, the other thoughts that I have would be, I really enjoyed this episode. I'm not going to keep with my trend and give it a 10 yet again. But uh, this episode, the season one finale, I'll give this 9.5 out of 10 crunchy roads ahead. Crunchy they are until we get the actual renewal thumbs up on yes. the 13th of May. Uh, I'm going to give it a five. What? Not That's of, terrible. Not out, of, not out of 10, but out of five. Five out of five ominous government-like vehicles. <laughs> so, so that's a perfect score, but why the five instead of the 10? 
because there was two trucks in the back, two trucks in the front, and the helicopter. That's five ominous government-like vehicles. Oh, my goodness. We're being meta here. Nicely done. <laughs> oh, wow. So we both love the episode. I think most people love the episode. We, of course, want answers. And just you wait till you hear some of the listener thoughts and theories. Stay tuned for those. The Resurrection Revealed listener community has some of the best questions and theories coming up in just a bit with the feedback section of the show. The radio station in Chester's Mill may have burned down, but you can still hear hits like... And they're still having fun. Chester's Mill's the one. And... Splish Splash the Egg was taking a bath deep below a methane-filled lake. Rub-a-dub let some Julia didn't flub, making this decision in haste. All thanks to Under the Dome Radio. This summer, Troy and Wayne return to discuss what happened when we were blinded by the light, wrapped up in the noose as the dome it turned to white, blinded by the light, holding on to a lever as the dome it turned to white. Be sure to set the dial of your podcasting app to Under the Dome Radio and keep the propane donations flowing at Under the Dome Radio. A proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. I'm looking forward to doing that show as well, Troy. It's getting closer. June 30th, and we will be back, of course, with all of the dome heads, kind of like res heads, but dome heads for the Under the Dome Season 2 premiere, which was written, of course, by Mr. Stephen King himself. So if you haven't checked out Under the Dome, you can watch all episodes on Amazon Instant Watch via Amazon Prime, and of course, tune in to CBS for Under the Dome this summer. It's going to be awesome. And then, of course, you and I will be talking about it at Under the Dome Radio. A proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Now, we opted for no interview this week as we wanted to focus on all of you guys, the fans that make this show possible. We may have some more cast or even possibly an interview from Jason Mott during the hiatus between the two seasons, because, again, we are hoping for season two. Uh, but we wanted to make sure that we got all of your feedback in because there was a ton of it. So I think what we're going to do for tonight, Wayne, I think let's start with Dan Sweeney. Okay, take it away. What does Dan have for us? Dan says, just a comment. I counted several members of the returned military members, five members, I think, and Ooh. one was the general. Now, this isn't, he's saying the returned military members. These are the guys that came back from Korea and the World War II or World War One bombardier aviator pilots. Uh, not the actual army that's there in town. I know the military police is to debrief those members that are taken prisoner. In this case, these individuals would most assuredly be debriefed, especially the general would have. That colonel in charge would have made that happen. Just a few thoughts. So I guess Dan is saying the current military people that are there would have automatically debriefed the returned military to find out what was happening. Do you think that's possible? And that's why the big guns came out. I think that's very possible, and that makes great sense. I don't have a military background myself, so I didn't even think of that. But I could understand that they would definitely take them into seclusion. And I look forward to seeing that on episode one or two of the second season. Then we had Ray actually write in, and he said, awesome. The biggest surprise, of course, Marty's family. The rest of the happenings were just about what we expected. Still have a lot of unanswered questions. Good setup for season two. And, of course, Landon himself was absolutely fantastic in this episode. Aliens? I don't think so, according to Ray. Maze, not Ray, 
the actor. Ah. Um, cicadas are definitely an important clue. That was in an earlier episode, if you remember the cicada, Mothra, Godzilla uh, dream that uh, Bellamy was having. And of course, Bellamy steps on an abandoned exoskeleton of the cicada nymph. Now, the nymph are basically the young cicada. It's emerged from the ground, it shed their skin, and then they're becoming adult cicadas. So again, kind of showing that things that die can age, which may tie into the Bellamy concept. Uh, after mating, the female cut slits into the bark of a twig, and into these she deposits her eggs. She may do so repeatedly until she has laid several hundred eggs, Ooh. and then when the eggs hatch, the newly hatched nymphs drop to the ground where they burrow, and the cycle starts again. I guess this is an example of what the returned are going through. Are the returned original bodies like the cicadas exoskeletons? Are the returned like the new adult cicadas? The cicadas' main functions are to eat, mate, lay eggs, die, fall to the ground, and start over. They require the right temperature, the right moisture. Does that sound familiar at all? That sounds familiar to me, but a little bit creepy, I gotta admit. Now, I don't think that the returned are clones. The question is, who is in the helicopter at the end of the episode? Will Jacob go back to a quarantined Arcadia? Will he be put in a camp that Fred mentioned? Or be taken away to be researched on? Maybe Bellamy's boss is coming to protect Jacob, but I don't think that is the case. I thought that it might have been the boss as well in the helicopter. That was my first thought because it didn't swoop down or it didn't shoot <laughs> as they approached. It just kind of hovered. So I'm thinking it's a good person or something that's going to help Bellamy in the helicopter. My two cents. Interesting. I think Ray is on to quite a few things with this one. Does he have any other good stuff? Uh, Fred went nuts when Barb rejected him. No, no big brainer there. I mean, he, of course, wasn't too keen on the return to begin with. Right. Uh, Rachel, as a new returned, seems to have changed a bit to be a little more positive. Well, that was an interesting call out. I didn't really notice that at first, but she's now helping people. She's not so down on herself, not worried about the suicide so much. So she seems to be more forward thinking, I guess, rather than kind of introverted. Uh, Helen definitely changed because she connected to a returned herself. And of course, Gary was always ready for action against the returned. <laughs> And Tom shows his leadership of his church community in the returned, even though he takes Rachel and Bellamy over to his mom and sister for protection, which was an interesting choice, to say the least. Right. And somehow this may lead to Tom and his wife uh, resecuring their marriage again after they realize that it's not just Rachel, it's all these people, and they can definitely help and protect. I like it. Well, and then he finishes up by saying it's interesting that there's only one live cicada at the end of the episode, and technically Bellamy only has one live returned at his disposal, which is Jacob. Dun, dun, dun. Unless you count Bellamy as number two. Okay. <laughs> Speaking of two, we're still waiting for word on season two. You know, of course, the word is going to come out May 13th. You'll probably see it all over Twitter and Facebook. But, of course, you can always uh, follow our Facebook page for Resurrection Revealed or our Twitter account, which, uh, once again, uh, Larry King, let us know where folks can find us on Twitter. At Resurrection Pod. Thank you, Larry. Resurrection Pod. And I'm sure, Troy, you'll probably write up a blog post at ResurrectionRevealed.com about it as well. Absolutely. There you go. So reveal.com slash season two will be the URL when it happens. I'm ready. Go ahead and start typing it. Cause I think it's going to happen. <laughs> now I wanted to talk just a little bit more about the color red because like they said, almost everybody, or as far as we know, everybody that's returned has on red, whether it's red underwear, red socks, whatever. Now 
Does that mean because, for example, when Jacob may have died, he was wearing his red shirt. Did all of these people die while wearing a piece of this red clothing? And well, that's, ab- that's absolutely for sure, because we saw Rachel return the third time wearing that original red dress she died in. So I'm, a, I'm assuming that everybody that's come back is wearing the clothes that they died in. That's what I was thinking as well. So kind of like on Star Trek, but if you're from the town of Arcadia, do not wear red. Any red, no red at all, because this could get real messed up if something happens to you. So my advice from Arcadia, don't wear red because the, you could be one of these returned if you're not careful. That's my. You're uh, not really. Yeah, you're not really focused on the the returning part. Then you're actually focused on the dying part. Like right. maybe is something causing people that wear red clothing to die. Well, plus it might make you know when you do die, if it's of natural causes and all of this, uh, your time is done. You don't want to come back at it like 50 years later and deal with all these people you've never met before and scary computer screensavers and paved roads. You want to be partying on in heaven. It's just a thought. The color red, it could be dangerous to your health. Let's go to the listener voicemail line for our first call tonight from Amy. Hi, guys. My name's Amy. I'm from Tennessee, and I was calling about the final episode of, well, hopefully not final ever, but final season episode for Resurrection. Just a couple of thoughts about Agent Bellamy and the crescent-shaped birthmark, which I completely did not see coming. The main reason I didn't see it coming, and you mentioned this in your initial reactions, was the age just doesn't line up. Uh, to me, the Thompsons looked like they were dressed in 40s or 50s, uh, clothing, and that would make Bellamy, even if he were an infant, if he had survived uh, and and not died in the flood that they they talked about, he would be 70 or 80. So something is not right there. I'm um, not sure exactly what that is. Of course, the name is easy to change, so that didn't throw me so much. But the other thing that really struck me is I can understand that if he was a baby, if he was truly young and he didn't die but his parents and sister did, I could understand him not recognizing his parents, especially if he didn't have photos to go by and so on and so forth. What struck me is his mother not recognizing him. Now, I know he's a grown man, and we're assuming that he was a young child, if not a baby, at least very young, when she lost him. But I'm the mother of two. And I am quite certain that it doesn't matter what age my children are. I'm quite certain that I would at least be looking at them over and over and over and just find myself looking and thinking to myself, that looks so much like my son or my daughter. I, I just can't wrap my head around the fact that Mrs. Thompson did not at least look at him and think to herself, this could be my baby, and then maybe check for a birthmark. So I I have no theory as to what is going on there. It's just, to me, I think it's more than meets the eye. Really, really have enjoyed the podcast, y'all. Keep up the good work, and here's fingers crossed to having a second season of Resurrection. Thanks. Bye-bye. You are welcome, Amy. Thank you so much for calling that in. Uh, The fingers are crossed. And that's a good point she makes about moms never really forgetting what their child looks like, even if they've aged 40 years. What do you think? Well, that was the same conversation we had at the beginning of the show when we said, okay, Jacob comes up to the door. How could Henry not recognize who Jacob was? And then Lucille was kind of like, Jacob, you know, would you not recognize him right away? And why would you question it? You know, but I think at this point, he had to have been a baby. I mean, she said she was holding on to him. So he had to have been younger. 
and you grow up and I don't look anything like I did when I was one year old or two years old or four years old. So let's how ask would you, your mom. I mean, how would you, how would you know, you know, if, especially for them, no time has passed. Technically they died, came right back. Right. And then in this case for, um, Bellamy, you know, he came back, we assume 32 years ago when Jacob died and then he's lived his normal life going forward from infant forward. Well, that's a good point. It was so long ago that we talked about that season premiere of the pilot that I forgot that we actually did discuss that. It's all coming full circle in just eight episodes of Resurrection. I love it. We had more feedback coming in. Uh, Google Plus for this one. Uh, really like the episode, Linus says. Many questions regarding the story. How were the agent and the boy found at the end of the episode? What will happen to the sheriff's daughter? And what will happen to the boy? How did the agent and his parents get separated in the first place? And I'm not sure what he's meaning at that last part, because the agent and his parents, if Bellamy is indeed Robert, then they got separated by the flood. That was explained in the story. But the bigger question is, is what about his adopted parents? And what ties do the adoptive parents have into this whole conversation? That might be an interesting question to explore in future seasons. I'm hoping so, because right now I'm just drawing a total blank other than their story, and I'm going to accept their story as fact. And I'm wondering if the mill that they talk about, is that the same factory that uh, Mr. and Mrs. Langston and Fred Langston and them ran, or is this just a different uh, part of the community's business district back in the day? I'm assuming it's the same factory because he talked about um, Henry's grandfather, you know, operating the sawmill. So it might have been a sawmill that maybe furnished the lumber and then the lumber went in to make the furniture in the furniture factory. Oh, okay. Let's go with that. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm curious to see what happens to Maggie. Does Is it a partnership with Fred? Because it doesn't seem like it's a partnership with Fred anymore between Fred and the military. So I'm assuming she's going into a military jail box of some kind, not into the Arcadia County Jail. Well, that could be much worse, but I, I'm still wondering how they're going to detain all these people, where they're going to put them. And if all of these returned are as hungry as some of the first returned we saw, <laughs> they need to really bring in more truckloads of food from the military. And then, of course, he has that question about how are they found at the end of the episode, which leads me to believe that the people in the trucks and the helicopters have some other knowledge, either a tracking device or something, you know, in order to find them. Because who else would have known they were there? Because Henry was the only one that they were that told them where to go. I didn't even pick up until we talked together and saw some listener chat in the chat room Sunday night and then rewatching the episode a second time. Before any of those things happened, I just assumed that the helicopters were all part of the same branch of the military as before. But obviously, on second watch and listening to other uh, listener thoughts and theories, there's no way they're all part of the same team. Now, Alan wrote in and he says that he thinks Agent Bellamy is not a returned but what? rather he, he survived the flood episode that took the lives of the rest of his family. But if that's the case, then you have the whole aging question. So then the question becomes is, did he die and did he come back once before as a baby? And then he has some different aging properties, which would then lead to that sci-fi question. Um, one thing that has me puzzled throughout, according to Alan, though, was given that we accept the absurd premise, is that absurd, that's his words, <laughs> absurd premise that the dead can return, Nevertheless, once you get beyond that, we expect the rest of the world to be approximately normal 
in terms of people's behavior in society. So how come not a single person in Arcadia has contacted a friend or relative outside of the town who would have contacted the media? And way before an Arcadian week had passed, we would have seen CNN or ABC or ABC TV News, the National Enquirer, somebody would be on the scene. And so the question is, is in a week, how did this stay so secret? In Under mm. the Dome, the dome did not remain a secret, but of course the news media could not penetrate the dome. Very, very true. And the government tried and failed miserably. Well, and the reason why the dome wasn't, you know, hidden was because it was, you know, somewhat visible, right? People were crashing into it and yes. playing into it. And that's basically how other people saw what was happening and able to figure out what was there. In this case, unless somebody physically makes the phone call, like to Eric Ward or to uh, Bellamy's boss, in the case of the two phone calls that were made, you know, the other people, nobody else had returned until, you know, episode seven, in which case it's really only now in this last 24 hours has the return hit, right? Otherwise, it was still pretty kept under wraps until about day six. But it wasn't until the church scene where there was true confirmation of people coming back from the dead, where someone could actually leak the information to the media. It was pretty well kept tight between you know the Richards and the Langstons, Agent Bellamy and Pastor Tom. So in that close-knit group, I mean, they could probably go four or five days without anybody finding out about it. So I think it's totally plausible that CNN's not there yet, but they're going to be there tomorrow. <laughs> I'm sure they're going to be there on episode one of season two. There's no doubt. The news media will descend on, I was going to say Chester's Mill. That's a whole other town. Arcadia, Missouri. Let's go back to the listener voicemail line at 904-469-7469 to see who else has called in with a theory this week. Did you say 904-469-7469? I did say 904-469-7469. Okay, let's take it away. But first, I want to interrupt this podcast. I've been getting, uh, I know I, my phone should be on silent when I'm podcasting, but I'm getting alerts like crazy. Omar Epps, the official Omar Epps account at Omar Epps on Twitter said, it's official. Resurrection is coming back for a second season. And this is just minutes ago. Live podcasting, sort of, because you guys are listening to this the next day. But yes, <laughs> I am confirming that as well. I'm pulling up my Twitter account and I see Omar Epps tweeting out, at approximately 9.36 Central Time, 7.36 Pacific, we have confirmation that Resurrection is picked up for Season 2. Yeah, and it looks like it's all over the place. How come the news is coming out before the upfronts on the 13th? That was our target date. Well, I'm thinking it's press release related, right? They're trying to get all the press releases in a row, get people excited to actually come to the presentation on Tuesday. Aha, uh -huh, well... Omar Epps, I would assume, since he plays Agent Bellamy, has inside information, and he says Resurrection is coming back for a season two. That will uh, definitely enforce the fact that we need to come up with wild and crazy theories and uh, wait patiently for answers. But now we rejoin the listener voicemails already in progress. Hello, this is Stephen. I uh, just want to give my quick thoughts on the season finale. Uh, definitely was great, and definitely cannot wait till there is a hopefully a season two, uh, and that ending definitely called for one with a very well-done cliffhanger. Take care. Hi, Wayne and Troy. This is Rick from Wisconsin Fond with my Resurrection spot. I did end up sticking around for the whole season. Really enjoyed it. Uh, thought the writing was very good. The 
I thought the pacing of the story was just fine. I didn't feel like it moved slow. Uh, I did realize at the end that they have to have a season two. They weren't going to explain in any way how these people were returning. Uh, it doesn't seem, I think, like a supernatural explanation. I think there has to be some mystery science fiction kind of an answer to this. But uh, I'm really looking forward to the season two they should have. And, and how they'll explain it. But I was really blown away with the ending, how the uh, first mark on Agent Bellamy's shoulder was there, and I, I hadn't expected that at all. And at first I thought to myself, well, he must have known those were his parents, and then I thought, how come the names aren't the same? realized that he was probably young enough that he must have been adopted by another family after his family was all killed in his blood. So... It'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, when my wife saw the helicopters and the uh, police cars showing up, she said, uh, Arcadia is going to be under the dome, which I thought was a good shout-out to your other show that you guys do. So looking forward to when that comes out and uh, have enjoyed all the podcasts you've done and the great interviews you've landed. And really thank you for doing this podcast because it helped me be connected to the show that I don't even know if I'd have watched without you doing a podcast about it. Thanks. Rick and Steven, thank you so much for your calls, your thoughts, your theories. And Rick, very kind of you to say that you watched the show and listened to the podcast just because you wanted to hear us after hearing uh, Under the Dome Radio. Very kind and some great thoughts there. Yeah, and I love that, the fact that we can have these fan podcasts and be able to alert other people about great content that is out there. I mean, the folks in Joanne Alfano's office and the people at Plan B, Aaron Zellman uh, doing the creating, uh, Dan Adius who doing the directing, and then, of course, Michelle Antara for, you know, writing and leading the great team of writers for this season. I mean, it's just been a fantastic show. And, of course, we're just super giddy right now, <laughs> as we just mentioned, having season two pickup come right across the wire as we're recording this podcast. So just congratulations to everybody. I'm so glad, Rick, that you were able to find the podcast uh, via coming through the Noodle Mix Network uh, family of shows. And of course, Steven has been great. He's uh, been talking to us on Twitter a lot. And just want to say thank you to Steven for listening and being a, a loyal YouTube subscriber. Even though we're not doing a video podcast, uh, it's his way in the military to go ahead and consume the episode. So just want to give a shout out since we do have the military coming back as a returned in the show. You know, For anybody that's out there serving the military, thanks for your service. Absolutely. And it's unfortunate that on a lot of television shows, the way they portray the military rolling into big cities or small towns or anything like that, they always make it seem nefarious. And obviously, this is just a television show. And we believe in our military. And in real life, this is a totally different thing than the TV show. We're very proud of our military personnel and what they do for us. Now, before we get into some more emails and posts, we have one more quick voicemail in regards to theories. Elaine is calling in again. I can't handle one of your theories right now. It's confusing enough as it is. Elaine, we're just trying to sort out the, the confusion. H hang in there. Listen to some more of these theories. Take it away, Troy. Bonita Butler, who is actually one of our great friends, she also goes by Yogabon. Yes. She actually wrote in on, I believe it was Stitcher of all places, as a Facebook comment. Uh, she thinks that uh, the return of the wedding ring was just the sheriff convincing himself the returned woman was not his wife and to justify his actions. Also, the bug, I assume Cicada, made me wonder 
if they represent the returned in a previous form. And then Jacqueline said, I think Fred puts his ring back on because it symbolizes the fact that he is holding on to his marriage with his real wife who is dead, and he does not acknowledge his returned wife to be legitimate. I also do not think Bellamy is a returned because he is not hungry all the time, does not say he has trouble sleeping. I think he survived the drowning and was adopted as an infant. Hmm. And I could see that side of it. It's just the age thing that throws me off on that theory. But those are great thoughts. Benita, Jacqueline, thank you for those. Uh, What say you, Troy? Well, yeah, he has to be a returned only because of the age thing. The age thing is what's really throwing me off right now. Because if he dies in the flood, he had to have died back at least in the 40s. So either he died at the age of 32, 35-ish, and he came back. Or he died as a baby, and it's the whole cloning and DNA and that kind of stuff via NIH somehow. Because if he's not a returned, then it's cloning sci-fi. If he is a returned, then he came back when Jacob died. Very true. My two points, and I'm sticking to them. (laughs) And I say stick with those two points, Troy, because I'm behind you 100%, whichever one it is. (laughs) Now, J-Man actually wrote back, and he did confirm for us that there was a lot of red on the return. He said, of course, that it was a handkerchief or a tie or a flower, but he actually really loved the man in the red pants and white shirt, clearly denoting he was from the 70s. And then we had more comments again about the helicopter. Uh, Theory one is that the helicopter and cars were actually part of the returned Hmm. as their own military unit. That's an interesting twist. What do you think of that? I think it would be cool if we find out they have a full organization with military-style helicopters, power, numbers, and it's just been kept a secret till all of a sudden everybody starts showing up in uh, Arcadia. I like it. I like it, but at the same time, that also sounds like another disappearing, coming back without aging show called the 4400 that was on a few years ago, where there's you know some sort of like future technology and it's a timeline issue then. And I think that even though we have, you know, Michelle and Tara worked on the X-Files and it has a sci-fi flair to it. I think I really like the show because it's character development. And I think I really like the show because it's more of the, the what if, the conversations that you would have versus the mystery sci-fi part of it. So I'm hoping it doesn't go the sci-fi route. I hope it stays rooted in something that could be mystical in a sense. It's a fine line between, between the two, but uh, whatever it's called... I really like the whole premise and I like how it's all coming together. And Well, something you mentioned, Wayne, that I thought was really interesting was the fact that you said it's a fine line between the mystical and the science fiction. And I think that a lot of people have that question when it comes to what is their spirituality and how we look at whether or not it's a supreme being like God or something else, whether it's, you know, witches or, you know, um, you know, believing in the stars and astrology and things of that nature. So it is interesting how you have this kind of, you know, back and forth. We kind of talked about it on Lost with man of science, man of faith kind of thing. This might be the same kind of thing here. Is it mystical or is it science fiction? And I think we as the viewers are wrestling with that as we wrestle with that same question in our own humanity. Oh, for sure. And what one person may call faith another person may call mysticism and another person may call science so we'll leave it up in the air while we take a listen to some more listener voicemails get your pens and pencils ready to jot these theories down and then call us with your replies okay guys i think uh 
Martin um, is like the first of the return. Um, his parents were alive when uh, they mentioned the granddad, uh, you know, you know, working in the sawmill and the flood and all that kind of stuff. So that, you know, puts him older. Um, so he would have had to come back, you know, one of the first that came back, but still with a delay. And I agree that it pro he probably came back as a very young baby and grew. So maybe he was the first of the return. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. I, I really hope we do get to see um, how this all plays out. But uh, I'm really hoping they get a second season. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thank you, Jeff. X-Force 11 on Twitter. I think uh, we're going to get some answers. We, we may not get all of them because the show is about, about more than just answers, as you know from watching Lost. If we were just in it for the answers, that would have changed our opinion of the ending. But it's a good story, and we appreciate your phone call, and I think we're going to get some sort of answers. Now, before I play this next voicemail, I want to. it kind of gives a little bit of spoilery information about the book. Now, of course, the series is probably not going to end the same way as the book. They've kind of hinted at that already, where the book being just the bones for the show, and much like Under the Dome, the ending's going to be different. However, this next voicemail may spoil a little something-something in the book. So, with it being a podcast, you can either cover your ears for about two minutes or just skip ahead two minutes while we uh, listen to a first-time caller. Um, well, I just want to say, if it's taken from that book, they say, The Returned, it's going to be a dream like Dallas was all those years ago. <clears throat> you wait a whole season to see the outcome, and it's somebody's dream. It's just like that episode in Dallas where people were killed and things were done, and then at the new season opening, he's in the shower, and, and it was a dream. So... I think that sucks because that's nothing new and exciting. That's just stupid. And the other thing is, it's you're not going to find out what they've planned to tell you till the very last episode, possibly years from now. I mean, it's not going to be anything revealing because then you'd stop watching. So, you know, I hope I'm wrong. I really pray I'm wrong because I've been watching it faithfully as I'll be. But um, I just wish... <laughs> I just hope it's something else and not what what that book says. Um, okie doke. Uh, I'm in Louisiana, and you know we're real thinkers down here. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Bye. Interesting thoughts, I must say, because I've read the book, and the dream that she's talking about in her comments actually isn't in the book so much as it was the starting point for the book. You know, Jason Mott had this dream that he was sitting at his kitchen table uh, talking to his, correct me if I'm wrong, his grandmother, I believe it was, and that was what kind of caused him to have the question of, well, what if somebody came back to life? And that's what led to the book being written, but this dream sequence wasn't part of the book at all. And again, I think that they've used Jason's tapestry from the book to write Resurrection, but um, Aaron is definitely in the driving seat for this show. You know, Jason's, you know, gave him the direction, but he said, Aaron you know, take it and go with it. So I think I agree with her. You know, there's a lot of people who are like, Oh, we didn't learn anything. What the heck? Blah, 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 blah. But we didn't learn anything for six seasons on lost either. And when lost ended, we still didn't learn anything other than the characters are what matter. And I think this is a great character show. 
Very well said, Troy. And whew, I'm glad that that's not the ending of the book then. It's not spoilery after all. And of course, you can buy The Returned by Jason Mott through our affiliate link at resurrectionrevealed.com slash book. We had a few comments from the website. Uh, Lucifer wrote in again and said that he assumes that Bellamy didn't die. I still don't buy into that theory, but everybody's entitled to their opinions. Um, and we love them, so keep them coming. Yes. Uh, Redis said, Fred was fast becoming his favorite character. Oh, Fred. Quite something else to have ABC pull a double bait and switch. The military shows up without guns, and I was thinking they tricked us with the teaser for this week. And then they change it up again and have the military guys equipped with the big guns. Well played. Writers, well played. As to the Thompsons and Bellamy, my first impression was that the Thompsons had to be from the 30s or 40s, which I think is what we're all kind of agreeing with. Uh, But when I started thinking about how Agent Bellamy could be the son, it occurred to me that my grandparents who were poor dressed pretty similarly to that in the 60s and 70s. Hmm. So here's hoping, expecting that the season two comes sooner than later, which we've just gotten confirmation during the podcast tonight that season two is here. Uh, We don't know when yet, so we'll still have to wait till probably Tuesday at the upfronts to see if it's going to be fall or mid-season. But of course, keep up the good work, men. It's been exciting listening. Talk to you soon. Redis. I love it. And Redis, thanks again for uh, leaving your comments, you and Lucifer at uh, resurrectionrevealed.com slash 18 there in the show notes. And but even in 70s, you know, so I'll, I'll divulge I was born in the mid 70s, you know, so yes, I am 35, 37 at this point. So in that range, uh, okay, 37, fine, I'm 37. <laughs> 37 Continue. Years. So yes, so it is possible for Bellamy to have been born and survived the flood and be about his age in the show if he was born in the 70s. I could see that side of it. And of course, I was born in 1912, but then I was gone for a while. Now I'm returned, so it's all very confusing. Anyway, let's continue on. Hello, this is Neil from Bowie calling in to Resurrection Revealed for Resurrection Season Finale Torn Apart. Uh, it opens up with Rachel 3.0 looking at the body of Rachel 2.0. I'm not certain, but it really appears that she does remember some of what uh, Rachel 2.0 had done. Uh, Maggie's mother, Barbara, tells her about Sheriff Fred. You don't know how dark he could get, which is a prophetic statement, and during the episode, Fred definitely takes a dark turn. After Barbara tells Fred that she won't be returning to him, he participates in rounding up all of the returned, trying to de- detain them in the school gym. When he sees Agent Bellamy letting some out later in the episode, he exclaims, they are escaping. He even frees Gary from jail and gets him and his poker buddies to try and round up some of the return. It's only later on when he sees Maggie with her wrist tied behind her that he realizes the error of his ways. Earlier in the episode, Our favorite uh, parishioner, Helen, has a different reaction to the return than before when she sees someone she knew, Eva. She embraces her. Agent Bellamy wanted assistance with the loads of returned in town, and after a call to his boss, he did get some. Uh, The army rolled in with help that looked ominous at first, but was quite well-intentioned trying to help flood victims until Sheriff Fred changed their point of view. The Langstons give... Agent Bellamy Jacob to try to escape town. He's leaving Arcadia when a black helicopter uh, is arriving. We don't know what will happen next, but we see a crescent moon birthmark on him, 
which appears to indicate that he is little Jenny's long-lost brother. Omar Epps is 40 years old. Agent Bellamy is probably about that age. Was Jimmy, Jenny's family all but little brother killed only 40 years ago? Or did somehow Agent Bellamy return nearly 40 years ago and has just naturally aged since then? What's up with the cicadas? There are lots of questions to be answered next season on Resurrection. Neil from Bowie, thank you so much for, uh, for calling in and using the SpeakPipe widget at ResurrectionRevealed.com. And uh, great points and reminding me that, uh, of course, Omar Epps, we saw his Twitter announcement that Resurrection's back for a second season. Uh, Neil says Omar is 40, so that kind of helps limit our mathematical problem here. But I don't dare do it live on a podcast, right, Troy? Right, but I, I still think that it comes back to the fact that in the story that was being told, she specifically said we were living in the sawmill when your grandfather, Henry, was running the place. So it still would be kind of hard to think that, you know, if it's 20, you know, we'll call it 2014 now, right? So if we go back to 1970, we're going to have to do math, right? So if Henry's 60 something and 60. You know, subtract out, you know, 40. That makes Henry 20. His grandfather could have still been around, I guess, in the 1970s, but he would have been closer to retirement age or retired. So would he really have been at the mill? So I still say they're from the 40s. Did you carry the seven? I subtracted the one. That's close enough. <laughs> I could see where it might just work. But uh... I, I think both theories are actually really valid. And I think that's what makes the show great. And I'm really glad it's coming back for a second season because... This is what we wanted. We wanted a theorizing show because whatever answer comes out is going to be nothing that we all thought it was. I could see that because there were many, many times on Lost where there were some fantastic theories that did not uh, turn out to be what was happening at all. They came up with something even better. But I do like the two main theories going on here. And I can't at this point imagine a third theory or the actual truth being different than either of these and having it be just as cool. Okay, so now we're saying the three theories are 1940s baby comes back to life 30 years ago when Jacob dies and ages to what he is now. That's the one I'm going with. Theory two is they're actually from the 1970s and he didn't die in the flood and he just happened to survive and would age gracefully as normal, which is why he doesn't exhibit any of the symptoms of the returned. I could see that, but why the big emphasis on the crescent mark other than just that it's their long lost son? Because they couldn't find him. He could have just flushed down river and been fine and they all died. But if he's not one of the returned or there's not some sort of mystery about it, it's not super exciting for them. I mean, it's super exciting for them, but I mean, for the overall mystery of the story, I don't know. I, I could be wrong. Well, I'm just giving the mystery. My vote. The, the mystery there is that he didn't know his parents. And now his parents are back and he doesn't even know they're his parents. I mean, that's huge because Aaron Zellman said in his interview at resurrectionrevealed.com slash Aaron that the past is a character and his past has always been about helping kids and helping kids could be like helping himself find his parents since he was trying to place kids in the foster system in that flashback in episode five. Right. So I'm talk I'm kind of talking myself into the, the 1970s theory now. Uh-oh, are you going to come up with special hashtags where people can vote on which theory they like better? That's right. Hashtag Res Bellamy 40, hashtag Res Bellamy 70, hashtag Res Bellamy clone. Wow. 
And, I, and once I have some time next week, I'm going to write up a blog post that has these three theories spelled out. Um, that would be fantastic. We will share that news. Okay, to wrap it up this evening, Mike said, just listening to your initial reactions podcast for the finale, and you were wondering what made the military switch from being helpful to rounding them up. And he says that it was all started when the sheriff basically said that Bellamy left some stuff out, and that's why the switch happened. That, and because, of course, he wanted to honor his wife rather than the returned because they needed to protect the living and round up everybody else. Thanks, Mike. It's at Mike Scott eight on Twitter. And lastly, Farhan said, so what did the eight episodes do? Questions were thrown on top of questions on top of questions. Eight episodes in, what do we know? Nothing. Why are they returning? Where are they coming from? What is the purpose? Why in Arcadia? How many answers do we have? Zero. Thank you. Goodbye show. What? (laughs) Equal opportunity podcast. People can submit. He took time to watch a show and he took time to write in a theory. So unfortunately, it isn't going to be goodbye show because we did get the season two renewal as we recorded this evening. Right. So so we do have season two coming back. And like we said, if you got the answers now, there wouldn't be a show to watch. So enjoy the ride because that's what we all did for Lost. And it turned out fabulous in the end. So if you like the show, keep watching. If you don't like the show, join us under the dome in the summer. (laughs) Yeah, join us under the dome in the summer. Uh, But I do think, even though we don't have the answers, we did get some answers. You know, we did find out about Bellamy's crescent mark. We did find out uh, the more backstory between the people and how water might be involved and wearing red is somehow tied into it and the cicadas and all these great new theories. And we did find out that now the outside world is learning about the return. It's not just a couple of people. It's not a big secret because at first when I saw the early, early promos for the show, I thought Jacob was the only returned and that was going to be the whole premise for the show. But I do think that we did get some answers. I don't know if we're going to find out why it's just Arcadia. I think it is a mysterious place, much like the island on Lost. But uh, I'm like you said, I'm all in, ready for the ride. Season two, I wish it would start in the fall, but I know that's a physical impossibility. You never know. It could come in early, like November, instead of waiting all the way till March. That would be awesome. Well, we do want to throw out a very special thank you to Resurrection Revealed listener community member Tina, who actually helped sponsor the podcast by sending in a donation to the show by visiting resurrectionrevealed.com slash support. Tina adds that she really enjoys listening to Resurrection Revealed. And also wanted to give a big thanks to the new iTunes reviewers this week. Ron P. 1979 said, I love the Veronica Cartwright Helen interview. I am one over to this podcast now. Go Gators said, love this podcast. And Pariwato said, because of you guys, I knew about the show. Watched it every week. Can't wait to listen to your podcasts. Thanks for the work. Looking forward also to Under the Dome Radio Season 2. It's that's all two people that we got. That's two people we got to watch the show from the podcast. That's awesome. A- anything we can do to help, and it, it we're blessed to be able to do this podcast. Modern technology and all of this great stuff is what it is, and makes it that much easier for us. And again, I thank everybody, Tina, your very kind support, uh, the listeners with your iTunes reviews. It's all fantastic stuff. I greatly appreciate it as well. And just want to remind you as we sign off, maybe for the last time for a little while, 
Resurrection Revealed is not affiliated with ABC Television or Plan B. As an unofficial podcast, we do have periodic costs for the website, the URL, the MP3 hosting, all those things. If you'd consider supporting our fan podcast in a couple of ways, you can do all your Amazon shopping through our Amazon affiliate link at resurrectionrevealed.com slash Amazon. You could even donate to the show like Tina did by helping us invest in making Resurrection Revealed even better for season two. Uh, you could donate once in any amount you'd like or even sign up for an ongoing monthly donation amount. Anything you could do to help will keep the podcast rolling right along for you. Absolutely. And with season two now confirmed, just keep checking back with ResurrectionRevealed.com for an update of the upfronts, any news of when Resurrection season two is going to be coming your way. Just stay with us. You can connect with us on Twitter at ResurrectionPod and follow us there. You can even follow our personal accounts. Troy is at Troy Heinrichs and myself, I am T-I-W-W-H and Facebook is cool too. You know, over 1100 followers and fans over on the Facebook page. Just go to resurrectionrevealed.com slash Facebook to like that page. And head on over to resurrectionrevealed.com. You can go to slash iTunes slash Stitcher slash TuneIn slash iHeart. Wherever you listen to the show, it's great and we love all of it. And we just thank you so much for joining us in this first season of Resurrection. We will return, but until that happens, thanks for season one. From all of us here at Noodle Mix Network, I'm Troy Heinrichs. And I'm Wayne Henderson. See you next time on Resurrection Revealed and also very soon, Under the Dome. Resurrection Revealed is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Get more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Like once the unofficial podcast, blog, and forum with theories and talk about ABC's Once Upon a Time. Their season finale is Sunday, May 11th, and with two hours, there will be certainly a lot to talk about. Subscribe to Once today over at noodle.mx.